Hello and welcome to The Sweetest Little Life. I am so glad you're here. I am your host, Courtney Hansen. With each week, we will have exciting new guests to grow spiritually, develop personally, and learn how to step into our purpose authentically. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 30 minutes of connection with the mind, body, and spirit. If you guys are interested in signing up for the Adventure Challenge, just head to www.theadventurechallenge.com and use code Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y 15. Again, that's Courtney 15 at checkout and start adventuring. What this is, is it's a book that you get to scratch off an adventure at random, go, go out with your family and experience what spontaneity truly is. You have no idea what the adventure is. It comes with a snap camera, which is super fun. So you can take a picture of your adventure and then put it in the book. It is amazing. Head on over and check it out and get your fun on. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Sweetest Little Life. I'm so excited to have you on the show and have today's conversation. How are you? I am super excited to connect and to have a chat with you. So I'm great. Thank you. Yes. So I always kick off the show and just ask you to share your dharma, how you stepped into it, how you knew you were in your purpose and what going into it looked like for you. How did those puzzle pieces come together? Well, for me, you know, I was this kind of women that when you look from the outside, it looked like I had my shit together. You know, I looked the part. Um, I was a very successful fitness professional, so I looked very fit. I was a planner. I had everything organized, overachiever. Um, I used to teach up to 22 classes per week and then lead seminars over the weekend. And I had my kid in New York, living in New York with my husband. And I thought, you know, I had everything in control. And I thought I did the work because I'd done some shadow work before, but I always kept it very soft, let's say it that way. Mm. And then within a period of eight months, my life changed completely. First, I lost my voice. Like I woke up one morning and I had no more voice, like zero. I couldn't speak to my kid. I couldn't speak to my husband. And that day and that finding out that I developed a vocal polyp, like I knew I, I was abusing my voice for for years um, because of all the teaching and all the classes and all the seminars and all the nonstop. But it actually went away completely. Like I couldn't whisper. And I don't know if it ever happened to you when you, you know, kind of like your voice gets lower and people don't hear you, but it's a very vulnerable very vulnerable moment, especially if you're a teacher, because you're used to communicate and you rely on your voice as your main form of self-expression. And then right after that, within days, that one week, I was doing all the blood work. So I lost my voice and I find out that I'm pregnant with my second baby. And so now I cannot even take steroids or anything that, you know, you can't get on those medications and I cannot even have that main surgery to clear up my throat and I can't speak. So now I have 
um, you have two kids, right? Or at least more than one kid. I have, have three, yeah. Oh, you have three children. So, you know, I don't know if you had that, but for me, when I got pregnant with my second baby, I almost felt like I was cheating on my first child. Yes. It, I was extremely emotional. I'm like, oh my God, and now I can talk. I won't be able to speak to him and explain it to him. I was hormonal. It, it was insane. So then I realized, you know, I have no voice. Now I can't teach. I can't teach. I can't work. I can't work. I can't be in New York because, you know, New York private schools are very, very expensive. Um, and so we decide to go back to Italy with with my husband, who's Italian, my little kid who was at that point three years old, me pregnant and with no voice. <laughs> so I'm like, let's go back to Italy, which for me, you know, for people like, oh, beautiful Italy. For me, was going back to the crime scene because that was the reason why I'd left. Yes. <laughs> to be close or nearby anything that had involved um, my parents because I grew up with very critical narcissistic parents and and I left when I was very young and I didn't want to come back so now I'm back I'm pregnant I have no voice I have a kid I'm getting you know ready to have the second kid and in Italy uh, there are no boutique fitness studios where you can really teach uh, and be well paid as an instructor. So I'm like, I'm screwed. I'm in this place. I don't want to be here. And I had already suffered from postpartum depression with the first child. Uh, I'm like, this is going to be it. I'm, I'm really going to lose it to depression. And in fact, it kind of happened that way. But on top of it, I had a second C-section. And in this, um, during the pregnancy, I developed what's called a choked hernia, which is an hernia in your umbilical cord, but um, that gets no more blood supply. And so the tissue kind of like gets, dies, the tissue of the skin dies. And so after I had the baby, now I have to have this surgery to remove this hernia. I'm having this surgery. So wow. now I lost my voice, I lost my job, I lost New York and the United States after 20 years. Um, and now having the second baby, dealing with all the possible, Pardon bruise, and now I'm having a, this other surgery. And when I had this surgery, my body completely shut down. Um, I had an allergic reaction where I could not move and I could not be on painkillers and over 72 internal stitches. Because when they Ooh. went, I realized like my whole diastasis, it didn't show because see, I had the perfect abdomen. So I was keeping everything in, I was this perfect shell. But inside, I was holding in things that were falling apart. So my body was pretty much representing who I had been internally. I'd been a person who was hurt and felt very fragile her entire childhood. And then as I grew, I had acquired this shell that made me look confident and eloquent and, and you know, fit and somewhat powerful because I really like to engage with women and push them to get to their next level. But then inside I was falling apart. Mm -hmm. And in those moments when I felt like I had not one more of the things that I rely and identify as being my identity, not my body, not my physical strength, not my abdomen, my core, right? Not, not my connection with my children because I couldn't hold them and I had a baby that I had to breastfeed and I'm pumping this milk and I'm in total pain in this um, laying at nine degrees on my sofa because I couldn't even lay down because the stitches would open up so I'm in this horrible excruciating pain 
And in that moment, I feel like I can't fight this anymore. You know, if I cannot, if I cannot escape it, I'm going to have to go through it. And if I'm going to have to go through it, I'm going to have to stop resisting it. It was almost like recognizing that sometimes the pain and the challenges that come to us, the hardest part is to allowing them to come through. And what we do, we tend to fight them. It's like, what the hell this is happening to me? Not another thing, you know? And that, that resistance of life, right? Because life comes in wave, comes in night and day and in pain and in joy and all that stuff. And our resistance to really allow ourselves to, to exist even in the dark, yeah. it's just something that awakened in me uh, a connection with an inner voice that I never felt before. Because you see, I was the kind of skeptical person that believed meditation was great for other people. Uh, but that could not be possible for me. Like I would do it, but I, I was the girl that would walk away during Shavasana at the end of the class. You know? <laughs> <Look at him laughs> out. I will walk away. I'm like, oh, done. You know, it's like I'm done. I, I worked out. Now I'm walking out. And then I'm like, wow, you know, and just really seeing myself with compassion as this broken person that could still choose herself, right? Because my my moment, my thought process in the moment is like, wait, there is a part of me that exists beyond this. I am going through this thing. My body feels broken. My voice is gone. I am in this situation by and more than all this, right? There is a part of me that always was and always will be. And it's that part that I need to connect to. And it was almost like having this out-of-body experience when I had to feel like I lost all my points of reference to then go back to find me, like the raw me, the, the the essence of who I am, and then to reconnect to what truly matters. It's like, is that who I really am at the core, right? We always think my purpose, and even today, you know, my purpose is to help women step into their most powerful self, to help women stop trying to lose weight and begin to release it and allow the heaviness in our lives to drop out of our body without trying to force it. But ultimately my purpose is me. Yeah. I'm my purpose. I'm doing whatever I've become to return to whomever I am is my ultimate purpose. And yes, making my children, you know, supporting my children and, and my husband and people I love and being a good coach and a successful entrepreneur. Yes, yes, and yes. But ultimately, it's not so much the things I do, it's who I become in the process of accomplishing those things. And that with me, for me, was the big shift. Understanding that I get to come first. And the things I want, the, the things I pursue, the things that I achieve, get to become a natural byproduct of the woman that I choose to be. Make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, I love that you said release instead of lose because our mindset is taught. I, mean, I just did a, a speaking event on this, on the difference between, you know, as a society, it's all about the pursuit of happiness and being happy and chasing happy and happiness is a choice. And there's all this pressure and freaking happiness. 
And in the midst of it, we've lost that sense of peace. And all happiness is, is dopamine. And dopamine is the main thing that's behind any addiction, social media, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. It's this dopamine chase that we're constantly chasing. And it's this spike. Mm -hmm. And that whole law of polarity, you know, what comes up must come down. And there's an equal opposite to everything. And so with us chasing dopamine and us chasing this happiness, it's going to lead back to us feeling our that bottom level of what was there before because we can't go run away from ourselves. And that was right. talking about the difference of peace being this inner calm. And instead of trying to chase a goal or obtain a material thing, which obtains our happiness, it's about accepting things exactly as they are right mm-hmm. now. And I just hear that so in sync with your story of just coming to that space of having to come to acceptance with this is what is going on. I can either accept it or I can fight it and I can love myself through this. And I love that you you were talking about fluffy shadow work because I think we've all had that phase yeah. in our life when we're like, yep, I've done shadow work. I did two yeah, journal you know, and now I'm done. In your child and I took it out on a play date. You know, it's just like crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But oh, that's awesome! The blessed up version of me because I really thought I was doing the work. <laughs> oh my god, that's perfect! You're like, and now I'm done with shadow work. Book closed. <laughs> well, you know, I felt like I'd done. I went two years to therapy. I mean, to me, that was a lot. You know, coming from a family that didn't believe in therapy, and and yeah. and a generation and a culture where people, you know, nowadays everybody goes to therapy. But I remember when you said you're going to therapy, it was like, oh, you're bipolar or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, something's wrong with you. Yeah, something is seriously messed up. And yeah, so I had done, you know, my the workshops in New York where you went and you did a meditation workshop at the yoga studio. So I felt like I'd done my my work. Um, little did I know. And but but you know, you said something very, very important, I think, which is this this idea of bypassing the discomfort right bypassing the discomfort I was reading a post today I was actually looking for it because I wanted to bring it up I was reading a post from somebody that had like so many likes and so many you know people approving of it and it kind of oh here it is I'm not going to say who is it from but it says what happened has happened free your mind from it it's a new moment to enter a new state move forwards towards your greatness you have so much potential. The past is in the past. And I'm like, yes and no, because if you move forward without having properly healed and acknowledged and, and process your trauma, you're not really moving forward, right? You are ignoring it or bypassing it. And that what happens is, I don't know, you're an entrepreneur and you have a course and you start sharing your posts online and people not don't click on it all of a sudden you're freaking out and you don't know that the reason why you're actually freaking out has nothing to do with the course has to do with what happened 20 years before when you share your heart with someone who ignored you right Mm -hmm. So, so there is a fine line between saying okay think positive right don't indulge and then bypassing it and and not really processing your feelings let it move through you and become curious about why you feel a certain way right why do I feel this way rather than immediately saying oh shit I need to feel good yeah 
And I think we, we come in, we're in a, such a toxic positivity era right now where it's it's like, you can't think bad thoughts or bad things are going to happen to you. You're going to call them in bad. Well, like we're human. We have, you know, thousands of thoughts per day. Like you're going to have a few bad ones in there. Majority are actually bad. I think it's like 80% are actually bad, but you know, instead of calling it bad or labeling it bad, because I, I, you know, I will never forget when I first um, got on my path and started really doing the work and healing. It was like, I was like, oh, high vibes only. I'm going to do my affirmations every morning. And like a really <laughs> shitty situation would be going on. And yeah. instead of dealing with the shitty situation, it would be like, yeah. no, I'm good. This is, I am great. I'm a millionaire on this, but like, really, I'm like $50,000 yeah. in debt, you know? And I'm like, okay, that works too, for some people to like get to a certain point when they're, you know, is alcohol abuse or something like that, that you're coming yeah. off of and you need to learn a new coping skill. But there comes a point where you have to face reality and call the kettle black in order to walk through it. I love comparing it to that book. You know, that kid's book, we're going on a bear hunt. Have you read that to your kids? Yes, totally. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. That yes. reminds me of, it's like, you have to go through the mud and feel the squilt squirrel. <laughs> But it's true, right? Because what happened then, here's the danger with affirmation. Because uh, like you, I had my my share with that. What happened is like when your life circumstances are so far away from what you're affirming and you cannot believe it, right? You cannot back it up. You cannot vibrate with that which you're affirming. Then what happens is you're affirming things. They want to happen because you're not feeling it. Just because you're saying it is not going to happen. You're going to have to feel it and believe it and vibe with it and elevate with that energy. And then if you don't do that, then it doesn't happen. You begin to say, oh, shit, it works for them and it doesn't work for me. That's going on and reinforcing the original self-doubt, the original thing that says things never work for me, right? You're Instead of shifting the beliefs, you're enforcing the old one just because the way you're trying to fix them is to affirm something that it's almost in direct opposition. While in reality, there's really no fixing. There's only healing. We can't fix it. We can't heal it. And it's not as sexy. God is not as sexy. (laughs) Fixing it is a lot sexier. it (laughs) It just doesn't work. It's sad, you know, but it's true. You have to heal it, which is the same thing when I tell women that I used to help women. You know, I used to be a weight loss specialist. I help women lose weight. And now I tell them there's no losing weight. You can lose weight for an event, but you cannot lose it forever. The very term to lose, right? Think about when you say, I lost my keys. I lost my job. I lost the love of my life. You're basically saying it belonged to me. It was a part of me, right? It was mine, my job, my keys my love of my life, my friend, and now you lost it. So as you're saying you lost it, you're almost putting yourself in the position of saying, and I want it back, and mm-hmm. I want it back, which is very different from releasing. Releasing is disconnecting, no longer seeing it as part of your identity. It's like I dumped him, right, versus I lost him. Very different energy. Uh, and and yes, yeah, sometimes to say I'm going to fix my body, it feels sexier than say I'm going to heal my body and I'm going to release whatever is keeping me whatever is covering me up whether it comes in physical excess or in internal heaviness it's a whole other work and it's a lot more um it's deeper it's deeper but it's also more fulfilling in my opinion it's just 
It's the only way to freedom, right? If, if it doesn't lead to freedom. That's it. Yes. That's not worth it. It's the only way. to. I, I love that. Yes, it is the only way to freedom. You can't bypass and still feel free. You're still going to have that weight and feel trapped and stuck and in the mud unless you can process and move through it and release like you're saying. And I mean, and that's part I... I I, one of my biggest pet peeves when, when people are like, I'm healed because I feel like when we're healed, we die because we figure out all of our lessons. Right. Or like, I've learned yes. all my lessons. I'm older. I'm like, you know, no. Cause then you would be six feet under like our entire life exactly. is lessons for us to learn. And like, we accomplish one level, but then like a whole another layer happens. Right. A hundred percent. And you know, at the beginning it used to be very discouraging. I'm like, is this not, and, and now I have clients that after I work with them for quite a few months and they come up to me, is this ever going to end? And I'm like, I hope not, <laughs> because then we'll be done. You know, it's like, I hope I'm not the same person six months from now. I hope I, I, I release another layer. I've got to know myself deeper. I've, you know, I, I, I hope I don't experience, I don't create the same, right? By creating the same is us showing up with our past rather than opening up to our truth. Yes. So I I hope we're not done. So I'll never forget this. I had a, a so for, very much like you, when I first started going to therapy, little did I know I'd become a therapist. But when I first started going to therapy, it was like, like, I was like, oh my God, this is taboo. Something's wrong with me. I didn't understand that mental health and your health were connected. I thought it was like, you were singled out. You were the black sheep. Same thing as you were saying, like, something's wrong with you. God, why can't you figure it out yourself? You're weak. You're this. And these were all the things going through my head. And this was before, like you said, it's gotten a lot more mainstream. Everyone does therapy as part of just health now, as same as going to the gym. Um, because the two have been connected, which is so beautiful. But this therapist looked at me and she goes, so are you going to exist your whole life or are you going to start living? And I was like, ouch, that kind of freaking hurt. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm living. She's like, no, you're existing. You, you survive. She's like, you don't live. And so in that moment, I really became passionate about studying the difference between response and react because I was constantly in a reaction mode to anything life threw at me. I was always on edge, always had anxiety. And when I learned to get into response, everything just went away because I found that inner calm and I learned the tools to cope and stuff. And I know this is something that you specialize in. So I would love to give the audience before we head out today some things that they can start incorporating into their lives to begin being more responsive instead of feeling that they need to just react to life. Yeah. Well, one of the main one of the main thing that I really like to share when I start working with people is to begin to identify yourself as separate from your problem your issue or your habit, right? So one of the problem that we have is that we say, I'm anxious, I'm a control freak, I'm a procrastinator, um, I'm an overachiever, I'm whatever. We say, I am. There is this desire to become something and to associate ourselves with our behavior. But every time we do that, we are basically validating our automatic response. So if you normally respond to life with anxiety and you say, I'm anxious, you are validating that into existence rather than saying, oh, 
I am experiencing anxiety when this happens, right? So you can experience something and not be something, which is very important because although like, you know, a lot of the things I do is TFT, EF, emotional freedom technique, tapping, and um, I have a body resilience training that I've developed that's called Fuel that really uses high intensity movement to exhort uh, energy and to transform our negative emotions into fuel for our body. In other words, to use all the things that we don't like and that we don't like to think about, that we don't like to feel, to use it as fuel for an intense physical activity that allows us to transform it, to transmute it in, in, in clean energy. It works very much like waste to energy combustion system that uses waste to produce clean electricity. The same way, it's something that I've developed together with clinical psychologists. Um, we are using particular anchors in the body as we move through high intensity with the breathing that allows you to, to do that. But the main thing needs to start with identifying that I am not those things. Because even if you tap, the same format of tapping that you could say, even though I am anxious, right? Or it's different that if you say, even though I have, I'm experiencing anxiety, it's already starting to process your responses separate from you. Mm. So that's the first thing that I would tell somebody. First, I understand that the things you want to change about yourself are not you. They're things that you have put tapped along the way that have turned into habits. Mm. And then make regulating your nervous system part of your daily practice. Because the reason why we react instead of we respond is because things in our lives, especially if you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot of triggering things, social media, um, family members, uh, messages that you get, clients that show up, don't show up, payments, whatever it is, all those things can be very triggering. So if we do not have a tool to get back into our body, regulate our nervous system and become more present to our breath, then we tend to get into reaction, right? Like I was saying before, you may think that you are freaking out over uh, posting something on social media that nobody responded to, but in reality, you are triggered and your nervous system is activating. And now you're feeling like the girl in high school that sat down in the cafeteria and nobody was wanted to sit with her, right? So, so it's very important to say, I am not this emotion. What is this reminding me of? What is the last familiar thing where this happened? Where does it live in my body? Does it live in my chest? Does it live in my abdomen? Does it live in my shoulder? Does it live in my neck? What is that feeling? So going away from the thought and being more focused into the feeling without resisting it, what we were saying before, instead of resisting it, accepting it and say, okay, let me get curious. I feel triggered right now. And I think like allowing yourself to get curious too, because a lot of times we want to black and white things and like plow through it and be strong and, you know, Mm -hmm. but allowing our bodies to like get intuitive. I did a hip opener class um, for trauma release recently and -hmm. it was really interesting. A lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I intuitively already do that. I'm like, yeah, we just don't allow ourselves space to intuitively move. Like our body keeps the score. It knows. Totally. We need to give ourselves permission to do that. It's what we were saying before. The toxic positivity, right? It happens in the body as well. I just need to push through. I just need to get this done. Yeah. Just get over it. 
or you're overreacting. This is how we're speaking to ourselves. And, and I notice that the more, you know, the more women you coach, the more you realize how we're speaking to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I have like brilliant clients that they speak all of a sudden they go, oh, I'm going to tell you this, but that's so lame. That's so lame. You know, comments like that. That's so lame. That's so stupid. Oh, that's so dumb. There's nothing dumb about that. You know, there is nothing stupid about that. There is not overreacting. Your reaction to something awakens something completely different, that it's much older, that it's within you. And, and again, we need to give ourselves permission to feel those feelings, to, to allow ourselves to be in it. Otherwise, life will keep happening to us instead of through us, right? Mm-hmm. Having that feeling and say, okay, I have two choices. Really, at the end of the day, we have two choices. We can, as you said, exist, push through. That's what, what happens when we push through, when we don't give ourselves permission, when we don't allow ourselves to get uncomfortable when we don't get curious that's when we exist Mm -hmm. just move from to-do list to to to-do list we're checking things off yeah um, moving through life and allowing things to happen to us or we get curious and again we need to get curious about us i see the biggest shift in people happens when they realize that there's nothing nothing more important than your your own dharma mm-hmm. there's nothing that is more important than your connection to yourself your own healing because it's actually the most generous thing you can do because that's how you become a better mother a better partner a greater leader a better boss um a more present friend a brighter being for the from for, for everybody you know so it feels selfish to say, oh, you're focusing on yourself is actually the most generous thing someone can do is giving yourself permission to do the work for you, to expand in you, to get to know you. And I feel there's so much reluctance to be with ourselves and and, and younger generation even more, you know, the phones, the th- just you have, they, it feels like people cannot even be five minutes alone. Mm-hmm. the yeah if you go to any restaurant or cafe it's incredible to watch people's interactions now like no phones are no phones are put away they're always on the table they're always right there available and it's like we don't give ourselves space to just be like we feel like we always need to be available (laughs) right and god forbid there's a person that's alone yeah she will be the whole time on the phone yeah texting or doing something because because she couldn't bear to be present to a room full of other people and 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 feel her feelings and feel her breath and notice her feet grounding on the pavement what she wouldn't know where to look where to (laughs) she wouldn't know how to move with her body right i i tried it it's a very different difficult exercise to go in 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 a it's super hard. It's so, <laughs> I it's so uncomfortable. I mean, it gets more comfortable, but it's for sure awkward. And then everyone's staring at you. You're like, oh, God. Yeah, like you don't know. Your eyes are just going, bouncing off everything. <laughs> Looking yes. at the waves, at the pavement, at the ceiling, at the lamp. It's just like, down, down, down. what should I be focusing on? I can just feel your breath. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's 
Inhale and exhale. That's all we're doing. <laughs> I know. Oh I my know. gosh. Yeah, but it's interesting that you said it, inhale and exhale because I was thinking about it just in that pause that you're, you know, I know you teach yoga, so you're, you're an expert on breathing, but that pause that exists between the inhale and exhale, right? The pause. That's so damn uncomfortable. You know, those, that exercise where you do and you're like breathing for four, hold for four, and then exhale for four, hold for four. And when, when you have a teacher guiding you through that, and they say hold, immediately we'll become aware of how precarious we are. That if it wasn't for that next breath, we wouldn't even be here. And I think that's really what it's all about. Why we need to keep busy. Why we need to keep doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. is because we're so uncomfortable in our fragility. Mm. That idea that way, if I actually get curious and feel myself, maybe I realize I'm not even here. Yeah. That's really what comes to mind for me. That is magic. Thank you for that. And I know you have a program out. Um, can you talk yes. a little bit about that? And if the audience wants to Absolutely. connect so directly. The best way to connect with me, because I it's through my DMs that you can go at, at Raquel Schaefer is R-A-K-E-L-C-H-A-F-I-R. That's my Instagram. I had a much larger Instagram account. I started this smaller account where it's me going through the DM, connecting with people and being very present to it. Um, and I have a couple of programs out, but the best way is still to reach out and you will find all the links there. There's all, I have a free masterclass. And if you tell me that you listen to this particular podcast, I'll make sure to send you some free, awesome gifts and to connect with you personally will be my pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. And thank before you. you go and we let you go, I just have to tell the audience because I cut the pre-recording out. Yes. What happened to you before the podcast? Because because yes. power is out. She just has a blackout. She's got babies at home and she still showed up today and rolled with yeah. it. So I just want to thank you so much oh, for so being awesome. here because you're a badass. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. And, and you gave me a way out. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like they're probably, my husband is probably lost the little hair that he has left, but it's okay. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Courtney. Uh, thank you so much. We'll be in touch soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have a takeaway or something from the conversation that really just resonated within your heart center, I would love to hear about it. Please leave it in the comment section so we can give you more of this content. As always, please subscribe, save, and sharing is caring. We love you to pieces. Have a beautiful and blessed day.